Illusion.org podcast coming away, episode 435. Steve Schmee here and the Rickster, Ricky V. Rock. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there? Not much. So what's up with you? You have to run down to 7-Eleven to get some coffee. Yeah, I got a little bit. I'm going to drink. Um, I'm not going to drink this whole thing today, but I'll have a little bit of it. And then I'll put the rest in the fridge for tomorrow. But yeah, I mean, I, I could have a little bit of coffee at 7, 8 p.m. And it doesn't mess with my sleep much. I, yeah. I can usually I can usually get to sleep. I don't drink a lot. Two, three hours after my last sip of coffee. So eight, nine. Um, I'm good to uh, to have a little bit if I find a little extra concentration like I did today. So let's do it. So the first question, we have four great topics on this Q&A episode, guys. Remember, the odds are Q&A. The evens are compound episodes. The first one we're talking about, this guy wants to know, is anyone else annoyed by older steroid users? And he says that he likes evolutionary because the moderators are cool and they don't talk down to people. And he seems to, to notice on other forums, the moderators are older guys, and they're always talking about how the old days were so much better and how in the 70s, guys would take Primo for four weeks and build these incredible bodies. So this is a topic that we can kind of get into from different, you know, in different ways. I, I think we can kind of, this, I think this is a great question that he's asking. So, you know, first off, you know, let me address the first part. Um, listen, every generation bitches about the younger generation. So that's the funny thing. So like the older people now who are on their 60s and 70s are bitching about the people who are younger. But when they were younger, the older generation bitched about them. So it's kind of the same thing. And, you know, I did a podcast with, with the Mobster when we did John Meadows and John Meadows was an older guy. He passed away recently and he talked about how the younger guys, they work just as hard as the older generation. They're just, they're smarter than the older generation, you know, and that's all true. There's so much information out there. Sometimes there's too much information. So you can't fault younger people who fall victim to TMI, as I call it, too much information. So they're getting their information from the wrong places that will send them down a different road. But that's no different than the older generation who would go and buy books on a topic or uh, they depended on bro science back in the 70s and 80s and 90s. They depended on bro science. They depended on what people said at the gym. And there was no way to verify that what they were saying was had any accuracy to it. So, so the older guys, you know, they, they had tend to have this mentality that, oh, things were so much better back then and all this stuff. And it's just not, it's just not the case because even though too much information could be a bad thing, the information we have access to now gives a huge advantage to the younger guys. I'll give you an example. Let's say I want to learn Rick, how a TV works. Well, back in the eighties, if you want to learn how a TV works, how would you do it? <laughs> you know, you, even if you went to a library, you found, you tried to find books on this stuff, you wouldn't be able to learn it. Now I can literally Google how do TVs work? How does a TV work or go on YouTube and watch a guy put together a TV right in front of your eyes to learn this. So same thing in fitness In fitness. Now you can learn so much information and there's so much information out there now. So now, as far as the pre whole primo thing, guys, you know, back in the seventies, yes, they had really good physiques, but what you're seeing in videos and in pictures and stuff, those are the best of the best. All right. The pictures of Arnold, you know, the pictures of Columbo, the pictures of Frank Zane, those guys, Samir Banut in the early eighties, Guys, I mean, that's the best of the best, and that's the only people you see. But I guarantee you, if you went to a regular franchise gym in the 70s, okay, in New York City or in L.A. or Chicago or Miami or any of the big cities that had these big gyms, gym franchises, and you picked out five of the top lifters there, 
and compare them to five of the top lifters today. If you went to an LA fitness in any town in middle America, I guarantee you now today, those weightlifters would be hell of a lot stronger, hell of a lot more muscular and a hell of a lot bigger and more knowledgeable than those regular schmoes from the 70s. So you have to compare apples to apples. So if you're going to compare Frank Zane, Arnold, those guys from the 70s, you have to compare them to Big Rami today and Hadi Shapoon today and the other top bodybuilders of today. You can't just cherry pick, you know, your your logic to it. So that's the way I kind of wanted to answer this guy's question. Rick, what's your thoughts on this? Well, I want to address just the second part of his, his question where he talks about dosing. He says that um, the, the over 50 crowd, and I'm, I'm quoting here, reading the, the, the post, he put, put it right up on the forums. Over 50 crowd is always talking about the good old days when it comes to steroid use, how one vial of Primo for four weeks was turning guys into Arnold back in the 70s and whatnot. Is there any validation towards this? And if so, what happened? Did we evolved into a different species over the last 40 years. <clears throat> um, I don't know what he means by, by one vial of Primo. Primo vials weren't really a thing until recently with the underground labs. Back then, there were amps of uh, of Primo Bolin. And, um, you know, when it came to my feeling on it is that when it came to steroid use back in the day before we had anti-estrogens and before we had all the knowledge we have now, uh, it was a lot more conservative. And you could kind of see it in the physiques too. It's more conservative. I think those people who had great genetics kind of rose to the top. And maybe you could have given Arnold any little bit of steroids and he, he trained really hard and he just had the right genetics to, to respond to it. And like Steve said, this is the best of the best is what, what we're seeing as far as these uh, physiques. of, And these are, Probably the guys who responded really well to doing a little bit. If you look at the champions from that era, and then you look at the champions from around now, um, the guys now are just huge, monstrous guys, um, even more genetically gifted. And they use a, a plethora of different drugs now that are now available. And you could see it. You could see it in the in the big kind of pregnant bellies with a, with a six pack stretched over them that they walk around with most of the time. And you could see it in just the, the size and the dimensions. And and even something, even the simple, even something simple like the introduction of of cheap available protein powders, which didn't exist in the seventies. So you had to get most of all of your protein from Whole Foods, and then you got to contend with uh, the the carbs and the fats that inevitably come with your whole foods which is you know it's fine it's a part of it and it's also nutrition but it's uh it, you get different results when you can really isolate the protein and have a ton of just available protein without any other things in there and along with the drugs i mean even just something as simple as that will definitely help change a lot of physiques to, to guys being able to get leaner during their cut and maybe putting on more mass during their bulks. And obviously we all know once aromasin became readily available into the market and, and the remedex and these anti-estrogens, then guys, that, that's, it's, that's when you now hear guys doing a thousand milligrams of testosterone. You know, you could, you could do something like that and not grow huge tits from it or, or just be a water bag because you can then use aromatase inhibitors to to keep it off from aromatizing and keep your, your estrogen at a manageable level. So that also changed a lot in the, in, in, the, in those years. And um, I don't know. Uh, and I, I entered, I did an interview with guru Amin Alai and, and he has a, a theory. He thinks that the quality of the hormones, the, the, the raw materials that are being used to manufacture steroids nowadays just isn't the same as that Bayer was getting uh, or, or is getting, sharing Primo, you know, all of these big names that were dealing direct with big name lab laboratories that produce these raw materials. He thinks that there's a, a breakdown in the quality of the raw materials. And maybe uh, the newer stuff, uh, you need 
more of to get the same results as maybe you did something pharma grade from back in the in the day and um it's a big rabbit hole that i have to continue to research to bring you guys this information over time but to to be honest i mean we don't i don't have any real data to back that up i do know that human grade testosterone whenever i get my hands on it i feel it's it's always been much better than ug testosterone that i get but there's also something to be said for placebo effect right i might be psyching myself up thinking it but i'm also not the only guy that says it so i'm i'm saying all of that to say i don't know the exact answer to that but that is that is a, a theory and and words that floated out there about how, how the quality of the stuff changed uh and so you know just just kind of give give it a little bit of dimension as far as what he's saying about the dosing um i do think you're gonna find a lot of the older guys uh talk older guys you know 50s really 40s talk about doing much less those dosages smaller doses in their prime than than guys are definitely doing today in their prime um even the regular gym rat you know when we when we get on the forums and steve talked about the guy la fitness today the guy at LA Fitness today can do can do 500 milligrams of testosterone, so 150 milligrams of testosterone a week, and drop some aromas in the remix the same day and be fine. Uh, these guys were 50 now and they're prime and they're age. They, they couldn't do that. You did 500 mix of testosterone. Uh, chances are most of us men are going to be prone to some serious issues with gynecomastia that you couldn't just kind of get rid of. I mean, Dan Duchesne didn't. Um, didn't uh, uh, discover the use of Novadex, tamoxifen for male gynecomastia issues until like the late 80s. So it wasn't like it, it, doing that, that kind of dose was even a possibility really without ruining your, your physique and the way you looked. So uh, I guess, and, and today guys can, are doing SARMs with their steroids, with peptides. There's definitely, and there's definitely a lot more drugs. And obviously, we now know a lot more about training and about how muscles respond to training. Uh, technology, science, actually, you know, putting probes on muscle, taking biopsies. I mean, really, there's some very interesting studies out there about how the, how the different muscles in your body work and, and what's the optimal rep range for each muscle group, something that we didn't that we didn't really even know before because there weren't a lot of great devices and there weren't a lot of devices being attached to muscles uh, during and after training uh, in a clinical setting. It wasn't as prevalent as it, it's happening now at the pace it's happening now. So that's also made us much more educated about uh, training uh, principles and, and other things that maybe weren't weren't quite understood, maybe practiced anecdotally, but maybe not quite as well understood at a scientific level as maybe guys do today. And, and all that information is, is accessible to you. A lot of the times, just if you know where to look and where to read for free, uh, and sometimes you'll even get a, a podcast or two or a video or two that'll actually explain it in, in very good detail. And again, like Steve said, the, in the 70s, you just didn't have access to that. You had maybe Jim Hearsay. Jim Hearsay, or you would spend your time at the library reading through. Literally, that's what you would do. You'd go sit at the library and pull a bunch of books out and read through the chapters of the specific books and that you kind of needed. And then you would correspond via letters and phone calls with other specialists in the field. And you would you would grab your stack of mail and then you would your friend would send you a letter basically like a post on the forums today asking you a question maybe like this guy would and you sit in your typewriter and you type that shit out and send it back and that was kind of the speed and the pace of information and the conversation for bodybuilders and and people that that cared about this now it's, it's a way different story obviously and and the bodies and the dimensions of the guys from both the pros and the regular gym goers at the regular gym it, it shows. It definitely, definitely shows. What else you got, Steve? Well, we're going to hit this one again for sure. There's a lot to get to, um, but I can just say that not just what you said, Rick, but also 
in the the first gym, even the town I grew up in wasn't even on, until the early nineties um, got built. And the closest meathead gym to me, even by the two thousands where, where I'm from, wasn't even close to me. I had to drive a good 35, 40 minutes away. So I'd go there on the way to work because I worked about an hour away. So I'd go there on the way, uh, either usually after work on the way home, I'd stop in there. So now there's a gym on every corner. I think young guys understand that there's a gym on every corner because everyone, you know, every entrepreneur like you, Rick, they want to do th something like they want to start their own supplement company as you did. They want to start their own gym. They want to start, you know, they want to do something in the steroid world, even starting their own underground lab. <laughs> they want to do that. So now everybody wants to get into it. And that's like everyone's dream just to like start your own gym and like live at the gym and have your bedroom upstairs, like have a building where your bedroom is and upstairs is your office. And then on the next level is your apartment. And then your the gym is on the first floor, and you go down and work out whenever you want. And then across the street is the beach. That's like the dream: living in Miami Beach or living in LA or San Diego, and and just walking and crossing the street, and you're at the beach. And then crossing the street, and you're at your own gym that you can work out at. And then upstairs is where you live. It's like the dream scenario for every every lifter wants that lifestyle. But nowadays, you can live in Oklahoma or Kansas or Washington state or, or Washington, DC or New York or Michigan, wherever. And there's a gym on every fucking corner nowadays. So back then they didn't have that in the seventies. If you wanted a gym, you'd have to move to New York city. You'd have to move to LA. You'd have to move to Chicago. You have to move to Miami. You have to move to a big city to even find a gym. That's how it was. So the young guys just don't understand that. I mean, it's just, Times have changed a lot. We have so many fucking gyms now. We have so many yoga studios. We got so many Pilates studios. Everything with fitness. It's like, like people from other countries come to America and they're like, what the fuck? Americans work out. <laughs> you know, Americans do two things. They work out and they take prescription drugs because there's a drugstore on every corner. So those are the two things we have in the records. And of course, fast food and gas stations too, because we drive a lot and we are too lazy to cook our own food. So we have lots of fast food and lots of gas stations as well. So those are the things that people notice when they come from Europe to America or from Asia to America that we have here in the United States that other countries don't have. So, but it wasn't like that back then. And um, it's just funny to me nowadays like how there's a gym on every fucking corner and look they they close down they go out of business left and right having a gym is hard it's cyclical you got memberships members that quit you've got employees that quit you know it's hard to maintain a gym the utilities are sky high can you imagine how much it costs to air condition a fucking gym every month so gyms close left and right, and then new ones pop up in their place. And then the cycle continues. They close and they open, just like the restaurant industry. They close and they open left and right. So it's a hard business. So now you see like these big corporations taking over everything because they can offer membership for $10 a month, like Planet Fitness or LA Fitness. They charge you $25 a month and you can't cancel. So that's how they, that's how they make their money. But we'll, we'll definitely hit this one up in the future, because I want to kind of get into the different steroids that people were using in the sixties and seventies versus today and how physiques changed. Cause it really started with Lee Haney back in uh, 1984, Mr. Olympia. That's when we went from Samir Banu at 190 pounds winning Mr. Olympia to a beast like Lee Haney. And a lot of that has to do with the changes of their steroid use and what bodybuilding became. So it'll be a fun topic in the future when we have more time. So let's get to the next one. I'll bring you in now. That's where Rick Debol and sleeping issues. He's saying, I wonder if Diana Bowl can be one of the side effects. He's two weeks on it and he's stacking with tests. He says, Test is not to blame because I take it alone. My sleep is normal, seven, eight hours a night. When Debol, I'm only doing three, four hours a night of sleep. So um, he wants to know why this is happening. So, Rick, what's your advice on this one? You know, I've seen it both ways. I've seen it with people on dianable cycles complain of being lethargic, being kind of run down. Uh, 
and also people complaining of not being able to, to sleep at night. Maybe it's causing a little bit of nighttime anxiety. And if you let your mind play into it a little bit, then you're going to, you're going to be kind of up because then, you know, you're not shutting your brain down. So there it could cause maybe a little bit of nighttime anxiety. Um, how? Look, it's, it's pretty much in the package insert of every steroid on the market. Uh, when you get it from your pharmacist, um, it'll say that uh, problem sleeping, sleep apnea could be a problem with, with the steroid. I mean, I got to check on that. Maybe not all, absolutely all of them, but I, you know, I've read the, the, the package insert in Spanish that comes in test of iron um, that I, you know, that I've, you can get in, in South America and places. And it'll say on there liver problems, which a lot of people think uh, injectables are benign. And it'll say you could have sleep apnea, blood clots, you know, it mentions everything. And one of the mentions in there is insomnia as well. So uh, at least in the testosterone package insert, it is. And I remember uh, getting uh, uh, things like uh, uh, Norma Hellas and, and things back in the day and um, some Zambones. In, in some of the package insert that I was able to decipher, read, ask people, a lot of them really uh, quoted some symptoms that we don't really, that aren't really discussed often. But one of them is problem sleeping. So could could it cause it? It could. Even, or it could cause you to be real lethargic too. Where you're like working out and then your muscles are like rebuilding, building, building, building. And every time you get some calories in you, you get food in you, your, your muscles are, are sucking up all of those, uh, all of that energy, leaving less energy for the rest of the body. And then you eat more. So now your digestive system has to work harder. That alone is enough to, to make you want to take a nap. And then all oh, these calories being released, uh, your muscles that you're hitting hard and taking high dose of Debo are just sucking everything out of the bloodstream. And so, so being lethargic and being kind of tired and run down could also be a, an effect. It, it really depends on your body and how your body, your system reacts to these, to these compounds. And I've, said it here before, it'll change over time as well. As you get older, you'll respond differently to certain things. What can you do about it? Um, lower your dose of the D-ball. Uh, that'd be one thing. You could uh, not take it close to bedtime. So that is, is out of your system a little bit when you're sleeping. But then, you know, you, you're, um, it's not kind of, I, mean, I guess if you're running it with an injectable, with the test you are, but I mean, you don't, you don't want to kind of do that. You really want to keep the same amount of the androgen in your system throughout the day. That's just been my experience with it, how I've gotten less side effects. Um, what can you really do? Take some melatonin. I, I make a, a sleep product called end to sleep. You can find it on uh, need to build muscle.com. That's my product that I make my, my brand that, that sponsors this show. Um, you could, Take some of that on some nights when it's particularly bad. And, and I'm, I'm guessing you're probably only going to be taking Debo for about four weeks. So, you know, you, you take a, a sleep aid, uh, valerian root, GABA, 5-HTP, melatonin, all, all of which is in my uh, need to sleep product that I, that I sell um, uh, on needtobuildmuscle.com. <laughs> uh, you just take it for the nights that are, that is particularly bad. And then you, you should be off the Debo. Um, pretty soon and and you know you got the benefits from it it's just a it's like putting a band-aid on it but really at the end of the day lowering the dosing or just getting off the dianable completely might be your first your best first two options and you know and and, and obviously uh, uh if it's a short debo run a month you know four weeks and you have some nights that, that it's bad just take some herbals and some natural sleep aids to help you get sleep uh, meditate a little bit before bed. Uh, look, um, look up on YouTube, uh, monkey brain meditation for sleep. YouTube that it's a very good, good, uh, very good practice for getting to sleep at night when you get maybe a little bit, a little bit anxious. Uh, um, it's, it's very, right. So just, you know, a little bit of, of natural sleep aid, a good night wind down routine. Um, and, you know, make some adjustments, lower the dose, 
not taking so close to bedtime, not working out so close to bedtime, you know, finagle it a little bit, you know, <laughs> play around with it, uh, journal it so you know how things are coming along and then and go from there. What else you got, Steve? Yeah, and at the end of the day, you know, let me micromanage the situation. Um, I, I will bet that your estrogen levels are out of control. You're running Devo and test together. So you didn't have the problem when you were just running tests, but when you're stacking two estrogenic compounds, you've got the issue. So when you're retaining a lot of water, when you're gaining a lot of uh, weight, I don't care if it's muscle, fat, water, weight is weight. You gain a lot in a quick amount of time. It's going to put a lot of stress on your body. Your body's under a lot of stress. It's going to have a hard time sleeping. You're carrying all that water weight. It's going to stress out your body. So you really need to look into, are you controlling your estrogen? I would just drop the D-ball right away. It, it, immediately drop your D-ball. Immediately just get rid of it. So it'll be out of your system and you'll start feeling better. But you really need to get your estrogen under control. And, you know, this is this consequences of using anabolic steroids and this consequences of, of, of gaining weight too rapidly. And that's, that's what you're experiencing. So that would be my advice right off the bat is up your AI and drop the D-bowl. And I think you'll start feeling better. So next one, this is a really important one. <clears throat> and Rick, I'm going to bring you in on this. I'm going to give my thoughts on it really quick. So this guy says back in the 90s, when he first started using steroids, the best brands were out of Pakistan. And the Egypt brands were average. So he wants to know, is it still the case today? And he says, does country of origin matter anymore? So this one's for you. You know, that's, a, that's an interesting question. It brought me back a little bit. Uh, what, what this person is actually referring to is um, Organon, which were the worldwide patent holders for Sustanon had labs in, in different countries and, and there was a uh, Nile Sustanon, which was Organon made in Egypt. And there was Karachi uh, Sustanon, which was Organon Sustanon, Sustanon made in Pakistan. And it's, it's all from Organon, uh, which is the main, the main brand that's marketed and sold uh, Susten, the Sustanon makes across the, the world. Um, and so uh, people would argue that the, the Pakistan lab made better quality Sustanon than the, than the Egyptian lab for some reason, <laughs> even though they were both, I guess the Organon might've been contracting labs in those countries. I don't know. I don't know the full real backstory behind it, but it was all, it was all uh, uh, Sustanon, but there would be a little bit of a co-brand Karachi or Nile. Nile was, was a, uh, um, the now was the the Egypt the Egyptian system. I'm pretty sure, and uh, and if I'm and if I'm incorrect, make sure to hit me up on social, RickyVRock.com. Come check me out. Hit me up on social. Tell me, Ricky, were wrong that day on podcast number so and so, and uh, we'll talk about it. And I'll talk about it on the show too. Um. So yeah, so uh, you know, this is a time where all there there, there were we were all mostly getting human grade steroids there was a lot of good veterinarian stuff coming out of mexico that was registered in mexico and and, and batches had to be done to uh good manufacturing practices and you know it was this is a different time when when really uh guys used to argue about that guys used to argue about how, how much better quality organ on sustenon human grade was from one country to the next because Everything around was was human grade. Everything around was was high level, veterinarian grade, all approved somewhere, and um, all of that changed with, with heavier, heavy handed enforcement and, and different aspects from a lot of those uh, veterinarian labs being shut down, legal veterinarian labs being shut down in Mexico, and then all the way to the raw material supply, and then. What we have today is just different brands and, and, and they're all kind of underground labs. They're all kind of not registered in, in any particular country. Some of the ones that are very well-funded, they, they don't mess around. They have their stuff made in a legitimate facility that's probably making other drugs during a day. Like it's making, you know, 
for their local market, whatever country they're in, they're making antibiotics and, and ibuprofen and whatever during the day and, and insulin or whatever they're packaging and making through the uh, during the day. And then at night, they have the night crew, which is not on the books, and they'll come in there and they'll run, they'll run steroids. You know, they'll run <clears throat> steroids for some of these labs. And, and, you know, these guys pay, pay money to have facilities. Some, uh, I'm sure, have acquired their own, their own equipment and their own scientists. And look, if you, if you have money to pay a, a biochemist and the guys who know how to put this stuff together and you have money to buy the machinery, I mean, you just kind of do it, put it together. And in these countries where they're not worried about steroids, it's not a thing. A lot of these larger underground brands, this is how they, they operate in, in different countries across the world. I mean, it's, it's all the way from India to Eastern Europe, um, this kind of even to Middle East. I mean, uh, there's definitely a lot of underground labs that are made in very good professional lab quality settings and a lot, but, but a lot more garbage out there. Like those brands are, are few and far in between a dozen, maybe two dozen that I might not know about, but some that I know of, of had probably a dozen. And You have, but you also have a lot of trash, like a lot of garbage in the market. A lot of stuff is just raw is being shipped in from dubious uh, suppliers. Uh, and then just some guy making it in his, in his basement, in his house, um, putting, you know, putting the, the seal on there himself. And I mean, might not even be wearing a, 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 a face mask. I mean, I mean, really, you just don't know because they're not, not like a laboratory where they're required to log it and there's a, a manager there and he's got to walk, safety manager, he's got to walk around. If he, anybody removes their their equipment, you know, they, they got to write it up. You know, it's, it's a different story when you are a licensed facility than some guy making it. And unfortunately, I would say there's 90% of the stuff being bought on the market is these guys kind of making it at home, winging it, a little lab in a little lab in China importing uh, a bunch of vials without labels on them for some guys to put their own label on it here. You know, it's just very kind of fly by night stuff. Um, and it's kind of the market, you know, it's very hard to find human grade. A lot of guys are getting TRT. So a lot of guys are getting testosterone replacement therapy in the States today, more than ever, probably. And that's, that's helped uh, the situation. There's a lot of guys getting human grade uh, from a, an American lab an American compound in pharmacy that's getting the raw materials from the best and the top licensed um, raw material suppliers, you know, in Asia, they're, they're actually, they actually have the contracts and, and they're the legal realm to just, they, they bring it in through customs. What is all this, this world is testosterone going? Our testosterone is going to a compound in pharmacy in Florida. Okay, great. Let it pass through the licensing. Let's go. Fine. It's a different story where, when the whole chain from the guy making it in China, he's doing it under the table. He, he's not reporting to the government that he's, he's making this testosterone in his lab. So it starts off badly there because a lot of times it's being made by guys that are making other criminal stuff. They just have the, the machinery and the scientists uh, to manipulate substrate into this final product. And then they, they, it, it goes all the way in the underground until it, it gets here and it stays very much underground and it's even up to the guy making the final product to even decide to grab a bottle or two and send them out for testing, which a lot of them don't, don't a lot of them don't do it because you're basically sending a schedule three a compound in the mail or someone else to test it for you, obviously, right? But still, it's um it's something a lot of home brewing labs, you know, gym guys selling at their gym. It's a lot of it's the kind of stuff those guys won't, do, you know, they won't do it. On the other hand, um, Brands in India, brands in Eastern Europe, brands in the Middle East that are kind of homegrown there, uh, UG labs, they will have their stuff tested. They will do heavy metal testing. They will do all those things. They'll do holograms. They're, they're less worried about heavy, heavy-handed enforcement in, in those countries uh, than, than we are here in the U.S., unfortunately. We have a, a good 
law enforcement system and and they get people <laughs> you know we we actually catch people so uh in the u.s is a, is a different story it's pushed way far more on the ground uh sometimes you you're lucky enough to get some of those brands though those brands from eastern europe um middle east india coming into the u.s and uh it's some of them make it real easy to verify your product the way it looks holograms serial numbers online with your bottle to see if your stuff's legit if it's uh you know if it's got a, a serial number one of a kind uh sometimes on there that you can go punch into the websites to make sure that, that you got legitimate product that, that was actually made by them and um they have ways some of them have ways where you go into the website you look at your serial number you punch it in that say yeah this product exists would you like to would you like to uh you know register not really register but would you like to just make it so that other people know you check this bottle so that way uh, they don't grab some some of they don't grab a few serial numbers from legit product and then run them run fakes uh if you get there and you punch in your bottle number and it says someone has already checked in this bottle number then you know that unique hologram on there it's it's a fake and and there's others like it but some of the really really good brands out there will, will do that to make sure to keep their product uh, worldwide looking like it's you know it's not fake it's not counterfeit but again those are very few outfits out there in in the world you know there's there's a a dozen that i might know and maybe a dozen more or two dozen more that i might not really understand or know about today and and they're, they're very few the market is so big and, and the demand for steroids across the world is so huge nowadays that there's a ton of just really homegrown labs from guys that are not are not really doing it uh, to spec, are not really doing it the way they should be making it for, for stuff that's going to go into people's bodies and uh, being injected into people's bodies, bypassing your tube within a tube a digestive system, which has some built-in, some built-in um, some built uh, uh, safeties there. No, you're putting it right in the muscle. And it's, it's, just, it's just something to be, more, it's something to be worried about sometimes when you buy underground lab stuff from from no name uh, labs. It's something to to be aware of and something to really know. So so overall, where would you say steroids are made? Oh, well, they're, they're obviously most of the raw materials start off in China, India, and some of these uh, Asian countries. Where where do they originally come from? Where, let's start there. The raw materials. Where where would you say? As far as as far as I understand it, unless I'm outdated, uh, there is a root in a cactus, and I believe Mexico is the place where it's mostly uh, where it's mostly um, harvested. So the root from this cactus that it's really uh, apparently Mexico. If, if I could be wrong about that part of the country, but uh, bear with me. So. It goes over to, to China, then uh, some of the structure, some of the phytochemical in the cactus is extracted. And that's just the perfect substrate. It's a piece of granite from which you could kind of make most, most steroids. Then uh, they're already developed uh, chemical uh, processes that, that these steroids are put through, through different uh, enzymes and different chemistry to actually move the molecules around. There's a, there's a process for, for adding the methylated group in there. There's a there's different processes for adding an ester chain to the base hormone. Once the base hormone is th that's why there is no that's why you have like an equipoise base hormone. You you could you could find that, but you won't find dianable base hormone. It's just dianable because the process for for adding a methyl group it's it's kind of built into part of the structure of the whole steroid. While you can grab a, a, a base hormone of nandrolone, um, bold, you know, equipoise, bold, boldenon, uh, other steroids, and basically add different length ester, trembolone, add different testosterone, add different length ester change to them. And then there's a, that's a whole process where this stuff sits in some vat, in some dish, some uh, chemic chemistries added to it. Uh, sometimes the, the, the part of the chemical you need to be bonded to the anabolic plus then on top of that some kind of enzyme or, or some kind of catalyst to cause a reaction uh some of them require certain temperatures to be reached and there's already a set uh process of of that you have to do to this to this 
extract you get from the cactus to actually make it into what it is you're making. And, and this, 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 is, this goes for a lot of different things. I, um, I was uh, uh, reading an article the other day, uh, ecstasy is made from a tree. Uh, it's, it's the bark, the, the, the trunk of the tree is a red, it's very redwood uh, uh, looking tree. And in some countries is being harvested so heavily that it's illegal for you to have chunks of this tree in your car or you're transporting it everywhere. It's like getting caught with, with bricks of cocaine in, in, in Mexico or in the US, you know what I mean? Because this tree is where they get the, the, the substrate to then make ecstasy, to make um, MDMA. I think it's, 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 the, it's the chemical name for it, uh, acronym for it, short name for it. Um, and so uh, steroids kind of start there. You know, uh, cactus, believe is, is in Mexico. Don't crucify me if I'm wrong, but I know it's the root of a damn cactus. Okay, guys, <laughs> of, a, of one of those cactus looking plants. Uh, uh, and then uh, uh, from that substrate, you can kind of make, you can make almost anything out of that. Everything from testosterone to, to estrogens to progesterones. Like I'm pretty sure some of the birth control medications for women, which have different uh, estrogens, uh, come from most likely the same substrate the same uh, uh, substrate that's extracted from this cactus plant. And, um, and that's what it is. And, and, you know, and before the Beijing Olympics, uh, they were very good, high level qualified plants making uh, a lot of steroid powders and they were just selling them to whomever. Around the Beijing Olympics, they got tight. After Beijing now, there are only a few plants that are still making anabolic steroids and they have to log and have reasons for selling anabolic standalone to this place, or they have to have reasons and, and log selling testosterone and, you know, something that didn't have to happen before. Now they're like, okay, you're making steroids. You got to be specially allowed to make it. And you, you log all your transactions. Who the fuck are you selling to and how much? And then obviously for the, for the larger players in, in China, they, they still are selling and shipping steroids because they're still making anabolic in many different countries for human consumption, testosterone still being made for human consumption. Equipoise is being used in veterinarian drugs. And so is Trembolone. Trembolone is being imported legally into the U.S. Now, I'm pretty sure to make uh, cattle pellets and different things. If they're not, probably or the whole cattle pellet is already made in China, probably. And it comes in for legal uh, um, legal distribution and legal use in the veterinarian market. So those uh, uh, plants are still running. They're still doing that. But the underground has been fed by plants that are not logging, that they're making the steroids. They're not saying we're here making steroids. We're making, we're making, uh, 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 they're, they're maybe making other things like fentanyl and, and, and synthetic versions of, of ec ecstasy and all these different things that are unfortunately coming from over there. Maybe some, some pesticides that are not allowed for use, not allowed to be made but, but some countries will, will still import them in and they'll mislabel a pesticide that maybe, you know what I mean? Even the Chinese won't allow you to make any more uh, because of maybe some of the, some of the toxic material that, that is associated with, with their manufacturing. But then a little country, some banana republic, they're fine to, to import that pesticide in and, and, psh, and spray it on their, on their plants because they, you know, it's, it's, they got a bad fungus and it's the only way they can, they can make ends meet. And your steroids might just be made in the same, in the same laboratory, you know, might just be made there. You don't, you don't know. And it's kind of, it's kind of how it all changed uh, since Beijing. And so that's why it's so much, so important now for a good, reputable underground lab. When the stuff comes in, they, they test it for heavy metals and, and contaminants. Make sure there's no, nothing crazy in there. Once the heavy metal uh, testing and all that stuff uh, clears, then they'll, They'll test, they'll also test it for purity. Then they'll make products, then they'll grab random product samples and test it for bacteria, heavy metals again, and also for potency. And there are some underground labs that go through all that trouble to just have a good name and put out a good product. And the majority of uh, Joe Blow doing it in his house, he j they just won't. Look, I have to have heavy metal testing for all of my supplements that I make for need to build muscle. You know, it's just part of the FDA regulations and, and, it, and it happens that 
the different manufacturing facilities I contract with, we it, it's got to be done. Some of them have the, the the way of testing it in house. Some of them they use labs to send it away. But you know, even when you get a supplement from a, a store that's made in, in a GMP facility, your stuff is tested for heavy metals, your protein powders. Your, I mean, it's it protecting the consumer, right? But the steroids that you might be buying from from that dude at your gym with with no labels on it or his label on it and um and you're 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 shooting it into your body those those things aren't they're not tested nobody's requiring them to test it for heavy metals at all so it's and and if your stuff was made in, in an underground lab in in china let's say all the way back over there they could still make good product they could still make good product that could um that could help people and they can make clean product really could the, the but you have to it's on your end it's on the end of the of the person manufacturing the stuff to, to test it and make sure that it is good product I'm not saying it's all bad <laughs> but i'm sure there's some some batches and some stuff that comes out with with heavy metal content and unless the the ug lab is is testing their stuff coming in for all those things nobody will ever really know you know so that's that's just something to know yeah, you're very you're very smart when it comes to this stuff. You should do you should do a podcast. <laughs> I should, right? It's a great idea. <laughs> you're very very clever on this stuff. Brew, you know what I'm reminding me of when you said brew brewing steroids. Bruja, 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 ha 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 ha. Yeah, bruja, bruja. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Are you ready for the next one or no? Always ready for the next one. All right. So next one is Deca versus Equipoise. So give me your thoughts on this one. Give Rick a little breather here. I don't know. Sure he I've been a couple minutes since he breathed. Um, so in my experience, guys, listen, I, for some reason, uh, over the years, guys have been saying, oh, Equipoise boosts your appetite and all this stuff. Like, it really doesn't. I mean, I've used this stuff many times. I've used Deca many times. DECA and Equipoise are both very mild steroids. They don't cause a lot of side effects, all right? I will, I will say that. But one of the main differences between the two is DECA will boost your appetite like crazy. I mean, on DECA, I want to eat everything, and I never get full on the stuff, and I wake up in the, in the morning hungry on this stuff, Equipoise doesn't mess with my appetite at all. Equipoise doesn't feel like you're taking anything. But with Equipoise, you're able to do like a lot of outdoor stuff. You can go bicycling, go running. I like it swimming. I like it for its endurance. It boosts your endurance without negative consequences. Like it won't give you crazy pumps. So if, you, if you're bicycling or running, you're not going to have those calf pumps or back pumps like other steroids. It's not going to give you water retention to slow you down. It's not going to mess with your, you know, your, your, your side effects. It's not going to mess with your sleep like some of these other steroids. You see what I'm saying? So you can run three, 400 milligrams a week of equipoise. You don't really notice you're even on steroids when you take this stuff. The injection is smooth. You don't get sore from the injection. It's a great steroid. DECA, on the other hand, really, really boosts your appetite to an annoyance factor. And, um, you know, a lot of guys are, are nowadays are scared to run DECA. And I feel like, again, just like the Equipoise boosts your hunger, bro science, that's been parroted over these. I think the DECA, you know, infects your libido and all this stuff. That's been parroted to no end. Because if you ask anybody who's used DECA, They'll actually say, wow, this stuff is amazing. I think it's one of the most underrated steroids, but guys are afraid of it, you know, because of that. So really all you got to do with DECA is run Provirin with it because the Provirin fills in. You got to remember DECA is testosterone. It's the same thing, except it's got an atom change. So if you get blood work done and you're running DECA by itself, your testosterone levels will go up it'll show up as testosterone in your blood work because it is testosterone, but it's got that little atom change. The reason that atom change was done when they were fucking with the chemistry of these steroids was they wanted to make DECA less androgenic 
than testosterone, which it is, and they wanted to make it less estrogenic than testosterone, which it is. So it won't give you that water retention like testosterone. If you run 500 milligrams of DENCA versus 500 milligrams of testosterone, you're going to get water retention on the test, but you won't get as much on the DECA. You'll get some, but you won't get as much. So that's a little tinkering that these chemistry nerds, you know, however long ago, 40, 50 years ago, when they came up with DECA, that's what they did. So that was a whole purpose to drop those side effects. So, so yeah, I mean, there are some similarities between the two and there's some very differences. My advice is if you're an active person, you'd like to do active shit. Okay. Rick, Rick likes to do active shit. I like to do active shit. Equipoise is a really good option for you. If you are a guy who wants to bulk, you want to put on size, you want to be just a gym rat who goes to the gym, you want to eat, you want to sleep, you want to lift, and you want to fuck. DECA is a good one. DECA with some proviron is a good steroid for that. Because DECA, most people on DECA, their libido actually goes up on DECA. You can look this up. It actually goes up on DECA. All steroids can affect your libido, either good or bad. But DECA really, it's, it gets an unfair, people attack it unfairly because they didn't run their cycle correctly. They didn't run the proviron with it. They didn't run a DHT derivative with it. The reason you want to run a DHT derivative with DECA, with any nandrolone, is because what happens is in the body, the, uh, your dihydronandrolone rises in the body and it swamps dihydrotestosterone. Again, that's by design. That's how they made the steroid because they didn't want those DHT side effects, those estrogenic side effects, those androgenic side effects. So when they tinkered with DECA, they, they changed when they, I'm sorry, when they tinkered with testosterone, they changed it around and made it, made it into DECA for that reason. So you've got to make up that DHT by running a DHT derivative with DECA. So the best one to run with DECA is Proviron because Proviron has like virtually no side effects. How about you, Rick? What's your opinion on DECA versus EQ? Everybody sit down. I'm about to take you to school real quick. <laughs> so uh, good good point, Steve. Uh, one thing we, we do differ on, and this is a very small, specific detail, but it, it means something to the overall picture. Uh, Nandrolone, so Equipoise was designed, Boldenon was, was designed. Um, Nandrolone was identified. Nandrolone was already naturally occurring in the body. We make a, just a tiny bit of nandrolone, like uh, it's trace amounts that we that we make. If you are an athlete that trains, you'll tend to make just a tiny bit more nandrolone. And nandrolone is is the 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 time when human when a human makes the most nandrolone are female pregnant females. A pregnant female will make a high levels of of nandrolone, and and it kind of makes sense if you think about it. Nandrolone is not as androgenic as testosterone so uh so if you're if the human body hadn't developed nandrolone but 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 a female that is having that is with child and it's it's eating and, and feeding and, and and basically synthesizing protein a female that needs to synthesize a lot of protein and be real efficient with calories and all these things if needs nandrolone helps that without turning her into a man basically you know if 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 nandrolone didn't exist then then the female the testosterone would have to rise and then every pregnant female will grow a mustache but no nandrolone is there so that way that female can signal all the cells in her body to increase protein synthesis without turning her uh and giving her really uh masculine qualities boy sticking and you know it's, it's 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 a good so now and that's the way that kind of bodybuilders also use nandrolone so nandrolone is, is very anabolic it's going to help with protein synthesis but it's not very androgenic to the point where like steve said it'll make a dehydro derivative that'll compete against your own dehydrotestosterone for receptors and and i think that's what starts to mess with your with your wee wee now 
not only does nandrolone um, affect the, an the androgen receptor, nandrolone also binds to the progesterone receptor. Uh, and I'm quoting Wikipedia here, 22% of the affinity of progesterone. So it's not as strong as progesterone. It's around a fifth as strong as progesterone would be on those receptors. But it does attach to, to progesterone receptors, which is maybe a second reason why mandrolone might actually uh, promote or cause erectile dysfunction when, when men do nandrolone without adding a provirin or adding a testosterone in, in the way to counteract it. So nandrolone is just that. It's, it's a good way to get your body synthesizing protein. Uh, it's not as androgenic as testosterone, but because but because of the role it plays in, in evolution and in just, just the way our bodies develop, it gets in the way of testosterone a little bit um, by creating, you know, dehydronandrolone and, and, uh, uh, and also attaching to progesterone receptors. So really, uh, the, the, the starting off, that leads us to the biggest difference between equipoise and androlone is that I wouldn't run androlone on its own. I, I, would, I don't think it would be a great idea unless you're doing a tiny bit, like 50 megs a week or something, just to, just to help along a, a tiny bit, like you could, you could kind of do that. Uh, maybe uh, because your body should be making more natural testosterone than that. Um, but I wouldn't run it by itself. And I think a lot of people agree that they wouldn't run it by itself. Uh, so that's kind of the, the whole, uh, um, you know, thing on nandrolone and, and nandrolone does, aromatize into into stradiol but very very little it's like about 20 percent rate and there's also a couple of downstream um uh, metabolites that are that might attach to estrogen receptors and, and be agonists at the estrogen receptors but you know that's even smaller amount than that so nandrolin is a good add-in uh and i've said this before for testosterone if you if you had a choice between doing 750 milligrams of testosterone with some aromatase inhibitor, um, and then, you know, maybe some finasteride proscar or something like that for, for your hair or whatever, or you could do, you know, 400 milligrams of testosterone and do 200 milligrams of nandrolone. Um, you might actually get less side effects and just as good, if not better results on the stacking 400 tests, 200 nandrolone or 500 tests, 200 nandrolone, um, then you might just be doing 750 testosterone straight. You, you, you might just from the synergy of the, of the two hormones. Um, yeah. Would you need to still use aromasin or something with testosterone or 400? That's it. You might, or may, maybe not, who knows, right? Well, each person will be different in that regard. Um, when it comes to equipoise, EQ was, was developed in a lab was developed in a laboratory and, and nothing, and it did not exist in nature anywhere before. You know, nandrolone was just identified. Um, the, the, the urine of, of pregnant women is where I think we, we first started to really test for nandrolone. And, and equipoise was made in a lab. Nothing really uh, didn't exist before in nature, but it's, it's a close enough structure to our own testosterone, uh, the way nandrolone is that it attaches to androgen receptors. Now, equipoise, uh, in this part, I've researched a little bit, but it's hard to be real clear on which came first. I don't know if, if, um, if Dr. Sigler, who was the guy responsible for the animal, I don't know if he just took the, the boldenon hormone and, and attached a, uh, and put it, put a methyl group on it. Um, and then it, became Dianabol, or if he developed Dianabol and then someone said, hey, we could just not put this, this, uh, this, this uh, alpha group on the, on the 17th position, we'll just attach an ester chain. You know what I mean? We'll get rid of, of and then with an ester chain, we could give it to animals and, and it could just be one shot. And, you know, cause you've not, I mean, yeah, you're not going to get a, a cow to take a pill of, of dianable every day right so it was there were some veterinary uses and i believe equipoise was available for human use for, for a very short while as well but 
mostly EQ has been a veterinarian drug because you can shoot the cow once with a little bit, once every, every couple of weeks, every four weeks, even, and you don't have to fool with it. You know, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a good, good way to dose an, an animal. And so when it comes to, to the main difference for you guys, this is just a little bit of history on it, but when it comes to the main difference for you guys out there, you can use EQ on its own. It shouldn't mess with your dick. Um, if anything, it'll maybe give you a little bit of acne, some pimples. Um, some guys uh, put it out there and have a theory that it might actually work a, a bit as an anti-estrogen. It, it's a good standalone uh, product. Uh, it'll raise the amount of red blood cells in your system, which other steroids do as well, but equipoise more so. Um, it, it won't have any, shouldn't have any major issues on your libido, on your ability to get a an erection. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it could stand alone. You know it, it, what I'm saying? Uh, it could stand alone. On the other hand, Androlone, it's great for your joints. And I'm not the first guy to ever say that. Many people say that it's, it's good for, for your joints, makes you feel better. It's a good way to boost your, the effects of your testosterone cycle without boosting the side effects. You know, you're, instead of taking, you know, 400 of testosterone, you put in two, 200 more of nandrolone on there. You're taking 600 total now, but those extra two, those extra 200 milligrams of nandrolone added to the testosterone should boost the results, but not give you any additional side effects. If anything, some guys think it'll, it'll prevent some of the hair shedding, some of the issues on the scalp with testosterone, but it won't, but if you took the, the 200 of nandrolone by itself, uh, your dick might just go limp and you might, you might just not be real happy with all of you, with your results all the way, you see? So, uh, but instead you could take 400 of EQ, you know, feel great on it. Take 600 of EQ altogether, feel great on it. I've done 400, 600 milligrams of EQ without uh, an anti-estrogen before. Um, it, it has a lot to do with, I do short cycles and it does take a long time to, for it to, to really build up. I think if I ran longer cycles at, at that, that amount, maybe I would run into an issue with just way, way high um, equipoise, but doing a short eight week cycle, um, doing four, 600 migs. I mean, by the time it's starting to build up, I've stopped shooting, you know, by stop, by the time it might start to get bad, I've stopped shooting really. So it's, um, it's been, it's been one that I've been able to stand on and I, okay. I want to bring into context. I do use Novodex with most of my cycles. So maybe I might've added five, five migs of Novodex a day, 10 milligrams of Novodex every other day to 600 of EQ, but I didn't, it's just, I did as a preventive measure. I don't, I don't think I've ever gotten each itchy nipples doing a little bit of EQ on its own. I think I'm trying to remember, but so yeah, I mean, that's, that's just kind of the, the difference in, as far as use and, and as far as gains, uh, they both might give you around the same amount of gains, to, to be honest, guys. They, they both, you might you might get around this. I mean, obviously, if you do uh, 600 of EQ versus 400 testosterone and 200 DECA, and you did the exact same uh, workouts, exact same calories, um, you might be a little bit leaner looking with the EQ. But you, uh, but you might have gained more mass uh, and strength and, and performance on the testosterone plus, plus the DECA. But on the EQ, you might be able to look leaner, more vascular even, uh, look tighter, uh, maybe not as much, as much uh, muscle mass on, but maybe cleaner muscles if we're going to compare it. But really, I mean, it would be just a couple of pounds. I mean, it wouldn't be something crazy that it would be somewhat negligible i think and um and yeah man so that's it man uh that's that's my uh opinion on it and uh oh. aren't you glad i got my coffee really really late in the day for the podcast <laughs> well i mean i just I, I just find it fascinating how you drop so much knowledge just like on this podcast and um, so whatever, you know, whatever you're doing, you know, I guess, I guess it's working for you. But, I just, I, mean, I just I, had my coffee. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you on that. 
<laughs> so maybe you're just a you just you just you know you're so addicted to coffee that you needed to just think i had someone tell me that before someone told me that they're like i can't work without smoking cigarettes i gotta smoke cigarettes on the job because i gotta work and i'm like dude you're not smoking cigarettes indoors you know that's that's not gonna happen so one, one, one get of, over it one of the things that i was in in denial about for a very long time is my my problems with attention deficit disorder my ten, my adh problems i kind of i've kind of have always thought like it's it's just you know just power through it blah 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 now i'm i'm i guess because of uh, social media when i'm on facebook i get i get a lot of uh, different information and articles and stuff about it and it's real serious it affects every every part of your life and um caffeine helps me you know uh, caffeine helps me i i I think there's, there's a lot of people that are misdiagnosed with ADHD, but I think the people that do have it, um, like myself, it's serious. It could be something that could help you along the way on things, or it could be something that ruins, you know, ruins your ruins your existence, ruins your life. And it, to me, it's helped me because I, I hyperfixate. So when I have a question in my head about something like this, about Nandrolone or EQ, I would just research it endlessly and and i have endless patience to go through studies and and talk to people and ask and it's helped me gather all this information but then also it, it makes it harder for me to organize makes it harder for me to be on time to thanks to this podcast with you all of the time and really the caffeine has kind of helped and it's something i'm i didn't want to admit to myself how much this has affected my my life and my lifestyle and, and how hard how much harder is made for me to get along in this world and build, build my little, little piece of the American dream, but I'm coming to grips with it. Now I didn't want to see this as some kind of disability, but man, it, it could sort of be because it could affect a lot of things in your life and, and it could affect uh, relationships and it could affect your, your being able to be organized with your paperwork and your things you need to yeah. do. And definitely something dude I'm, I'm dealing with right now. And, and I think uh, I'm going to share my, my journey with people out there when I try different medications and different treatments for it. And I think everybody, somebody can draw some good uh, information from it. Maybe we'll do that for a con the next compound episode. So might, think might, of, might be uh, a good topic. Yeah. It might be a good topic. All right, guys. So this was another Q&A. We hope you enjoyed it. Episode 435. We'll have another one next week. Keep the questions coming. Take care. Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys. Guys, this is the required legal disclaimer. We are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use. We are not doctors, and none of what we say should be regarded as medical advice. Always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program.